long as I got a shoes. We need we need to uh, get ready for the remix. Exactly. Good day. Good day. Good. Good morning. Good morning uh, to you. Yes, sir, man. It's well, good to be I, back. Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome <laughs> back. Welcome back. Welcome uh, back. Indeed, man. Happy post Thanksgiving to you, good sir. Uh, yeah. Is that what that was? <laughs> I just thought exactly. it was like a, a day off. Nah, man. Had some good Thanksgiving food. We did. It was. It looked a little different this year. It was, you know. Shout out to my wife for uh, cooking everything by herself. Uh, yes, definitely. Shout out. Uh, we 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 um, you know, it was. Uh, I'm going to share this. Probably get in trouble, uh-huh. but um. You know, uh, I think it was definitely different for a lot of people, right? And and how it looked uh-huh. different in our house. Um, so we, you know, we we did some cooking the night before. Um, you know, wifey um, was getting stuff ready the day of, and as like the day progressed, I noticed she seemed a little um, anxious. Mm-hmm. And and it and it dawned on me that the anxiety was um, almost like a response for how it used to be. So she's worried about what time something's going to be done. And I had to say, it was like, you know, nobody's coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It doesn't matter what time. Everybody's it's just, here. <laughs> it's just us. Right. And um, I think I had to say that maybe, you know, three times. Um and so before before yeah, she's she's looking at me now uh, <laughs> before it sank in. Um, but again, I think that's a reality that we all had to face and experience. Personally, I liked it. I enjoyed it. You know, it was just us and the kids. I do uh, sympathize with people who would use this time to go and be with other people. Um, right. There was definitely a lot of education out there going on out there. I'm telling you, COVID is doing something to this world, man. Uh, I think people have become more educated, or, um, or kind of hunkered down on what they think is right. Um, mm. But you know, I was doing some reading about you know day of mourning uh, for mm. um, our native brothers and sisters, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. this ain't no holiday for them. Well, and you know that's a, <laughs> that's an interesting point. You know, I was I was thinking about that. But before we get into that, we didn't even pray, man. We gotta we gotta hit him up with oh, prayer, yeah, man. Absolutely, Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. Um, you know, and as as my as my daughter says, everything good is a gift, and every gift is from God. So, Lord, we just want to thank you for that. Amen. 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 And yeah, Amen. we're definitely, uh, you know, you bring up a good point about the Thanksgiving, you know, for our, our Native brothers and sisters and the impact to them and the kind of historic uh, tragedies that are associated with that holiday and how it's been perpetuated even throughout our learning, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. we grew up in the era where the first kind of introduction was like, oh, Thanksgiving was yeah. the time where the pilgrims and the Native Americans got together and they had this wonderful celebration. Oh, they got together all right. <laughs> but... Uh, and, you know, I was thinking about, you know, that and how how it's perpetuated, but then also how it's changed throughout history, too, because I think the flip side, as you become an adult, you're not really celebrating that aspect of it. It's like what you said earlier. It's become more of a, a holiday of just for, to get it, uh, to get around family, to, you know, eat. You're not necessarily thinking about the origins of, of the of the holiday. And maybe that, that would be a good episode for us to do all the origins of each holiday know bring some bring some downers but also some hope at the end some optimism man i was like you know and i mean i think we already know this we you and i already know Mm -hmm. this that that it wasn't all um smiles and giggles and exchanges of gifts um, right and food (laughs) which is interesting because you know you think about the um that colonialist aspect of it and again i what we know to be true is um the victor is the one who writes history 
That that's definitely true. So, you know, and so, but it's almost like, uh, yeah, we we there's a whole nother there's a rabbit hole, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but let us know in the comments. Hole. Let us know in the comments what you guys think, you know. Absolutely. Guys, how you guys celebrated Thanksgiving or how you didn't celebrate Thanksgiving and maybe you did something a little different. And what was different for you? Yeah. You know, you know, some people might not have it might have been the same, might have been different. Um who knows? Yeah. Did you do any no. shopping? No. Yes. <laughs> a little bit. Um uh I tell you, I told you my testimony. He <laughs> did, he did, he did. Yeah. Told you my testimony. God, you know, and that's another thing, man. I had a question, you know, does God want me to have this? He must want <laughs> me to have it because it's good, and every good thing comes from God. <laughs> you know, so I spent twenty dollars. Twenty dollars and got a PlayStation Five. Wow, that's still crazy to me. Twenty dollars and a rabbit. I, <laughs> I didn't get that blessing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, you know, and I, you know, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't, you know, I did it. And my bro- and my brother's probably gonna listen to this and be like, bro, you know, I, I did it to, um, to just make fun of my brother who entered the raffle when he was serious about it. And uh, listen, he gave, he called me. He was like, I can't believe you won. I didn't even know what he was talking about. And I was like, and then he called me. He was like, you won the PlayStation. I was like, are you serious? And sure enough, number 42, Jackie Robinson. That's the number I picked. Shout out to Chadwick Bozeman and his family. <laughs> Wakanda forever. forever. So listen, I don't know. You know, I don't believe in like numbers and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I just might be like, you know, every time I pick something, I might be picking 42 from now on. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. We got some some comments. Uh, some people were able still to go out and get some uh, plates of food. Shout outs to all those making uh, plates of food. And, you know, I don't know if you heard the story, which I, I always enjoy. And they've been going five years strong. There's a story of this grandmother who wrote the wrong message to someone, right? She sends a message, this is five years ago. She's like- Oh, I remember that. Yeah. When are you coming to Thanksgiving? And the guy was like, uh, the person who got it was like, who is this? And she's like, this is grandma. And she was like, send me, he was like, send me a picture of you, grandma. <laughs> and it was this white lady and the guy was black and he sent a picture. He was like, I don't think you're my grandmother, but <laughs> he was like, can I still get a plate? <laughs> right, right, right. And she said, yes. And the crazy thing is that he posted a picture yesterday and they did a Zoom meeting yesterday. Like they still met together <laughs> and had Thanksgiving. So I, I always like that story because I, I yeah. think that's a blessing. Of, and I uh, can appreciate it. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can appreciate that. And I'm happy with that being um, if, if we want to uh, take back, so to speak, um, and remove that negative tinge of Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. and, and it be about that. You know, I'm definitely all for it. Um, I, and again, I th- I don't think it's as bad as you know Columbus Day, which yeah. we we yeah. need a, we need we got to rename. But um, you know, family gathering uh, definitely. You know, and can't. Oh no, that's different. Oh no, you know, I didn't. Know. She said the mom actually died of uh, COVID this year, though. I didn't um, know that, man. Prayers for that family. Didn't didn't realize that. Listen, and COVID is out here, bro. That's it. it. It's still out here, you know, so be safe. Still be safe. You know, don't, you know, that TV ain't worth that much. Right, right. It ain't worth your life. Don't, don't, hopefully you didn't catch COVID if you went out on on Black Friday. Yes, Um, sir. Hopefully you didn't catch COVID. (laughs) COVID wasn't out COVID wasn't out at 6.30 a.m. It's fine. There was no, there was no COVID in the morning right. when right. I was out. Right, because COVID sleeps in, I hear. That's, that's, that's what it was a holiday, so yeah, it slept in. You know? Gotcha, gotcha. It, it wasn't around, but um, you know, actually what, one note about Black Friday, my wife and I were, were talking about it. Um, shout out to those who definitely uh, picked up stuff for other people and not just in your family, just for like other families who are in need, who uh, don't necessarily have the financial freedom, especially with COVID right now, who may have been Mm -hmm. out of work and want to, you know, get their, get their family gifts. And it's not even crazy gifts. I don't know if you've ever seen like the, I forget what they're called, the uh, Walmart 
Christmas trees where they have like the items and wish lists of people. Sometimes, most of the time, it's not like, oh, I want a PlayStation 5. It's like, oh, I just want a, a belt, some socks, some shoes on my feet, right? <laughs> and uh, it's um, it's definitely something to think about. I know for me, there wasn't a lot of stuff that I needed. I had gotten some power tools and stuff for this basement project I'm working on, but I didn't didn't go out and buy a bunch of stuff. Um, for from I didn't buy anything for myself, and even even for my kids, we had already done Christmas shopping, so it was just well, like, well, if Walmart does that digitally, I'd be happy to 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 sign in and buy some people some stuff. Walmart is a cesspool for COVID, brother. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't go. No, I didn't go to Walmart either. But I think that's maybe something we could do. We can uh, we can post on our future shows is the uh, the donations and some of the uh, sites we support and some of the organizations we support. Shout out well, to we, Adra. I know we, you know, we um um you know our friendship circle um, crew. We mm-hmm. we we um, adopt the family. So yes. we got that. We got that coming up. Um, and maybe we could do that too. You know, so if if you aren't adopting a family or doing something like that you can help us uh with the family that we adopt this year um so we'll we'll get some more information up for that as uh as time draws closer um but today we got a special guest so today is our special guest show um just so we know we have uh uh retired admiral donald bigger wow from walla walla yes walla, sir walla Yes, sir. Uh, Walla Walla sounds like Australian. Walla Walla. <laughs> it um, is, it's pretty far from here, too, like Australia, then. <laughs> watch that world. Watch might, as well, might as well be. <laughs> right, right. Um, and yeah, and then the last couple of things I know we talked about, um, you know, the, um, what do we got going on today? We got the, well, not today, this week, we got a lot of stuff. We got Supreme Court had a ruling. Um, with the new justice, Amy Coney Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that did happen this week, yes. And then apparently um, the election is almost over? Question maybe, mark. maybe. Question mark? Question mark. Uh, and <laughs> we say that because they cleared the way for President-elect Biden's team to get his money um, and to get these briefings. And then um, and we thought that the president might concede, but he said, no, nah, son. Not yet. Not yet. Not me. He tried to kill my father. <laughs> <laughs> As Dave Chappelle once said. But, uh, <laughs> and so he said, no, I ain't doing it. Um, he said, I will do it if, if the electoral college picks him, which is interesting. Cause I don't know if you remember 2016. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a fight because there was these rogue uh, electoral college voters and his administration fought against that mm-hmm. for them to pick some alternative. So he's been trying to overturn it in the court and uh, looks like the last here, uh, the last lawsuit failed uh, in Pennsylvania and he's trying to take it to the Supreme Court. Yeah, it's still open in Pennsylvania. Um, the judge had blocked the, that governor's ruling. And it's like, when you look at all this, it's like, what is the what is my Christian takeaway from all this? It's like, I, I did my civic duty. I voted. <laughs> I'm just waiting for, I'm waiting for the election to to finish. Yeah. Uh, trying, to, <laughs> trying to claim It'll the promises of uh, God sets up kings. Maybe there was a, there's a long, you know, pause in between setting up and taking down kings maybe that's what it is from <laughs> there you go there you go and then um for, and now his his team is turning against him man you know he he got lawsuits filed against him for dropping out of these lawsuits yeah they 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 don't want it to end for some reason but which is I, crazy my man dropped so one of his donors paid 2.5 million dollars to keep this thing going and he said y'all promised me a victory well and I was like, oh, <laughs> he was maybe <promised> something, <laughs> right? Maybe he was thinking about the wrong victory. Right. Maybe he, instead of thinking about a Trump victory, he should have been thinking about the victory in Christ Jesus. That's there you huh? go. That's the victory. That that's the one that was talked about too by uh, <laughs> our friends <laughs> Paula White. But <laughs> that victory, that victory still will, will happen. We're wow. still waiting on that. But uh, yeah, man. So yeah, it's, it's it's that that's crazy that that's still going on. And then the uh, that other. Uh, the Supreme segment. Court. Yeah, 
<laughs> so I said, check out the book of Judges about setting up and taking down kings. There was a lot of that happening in, in, in the Absolutely. book of Judges. <laughs> but yeah, the Supreme Court ruling, um, I, I think is interesting. And I know some people are like, why do you guys always talk about you know this stuff? This stuff affects us, especially as Christians, considering this one was about religious liberty. Was it? It, it, it definitely, it? it's a topic of religious liberty and it sets a precedence, right? No, bro. Well, well, talk about it. Absolutely, no. I'm saying I'm disagreeing with you. you yeah, know, so I said, I think, just to talk about I think, what happened. I think you know, and I think your my perspective. Um, I think when we talk about this religious liberty, like I'm probably always going to go like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> uh, because even if you are a uh, originalist, right? Mm. You you look at the Constitution as written, which is a whole nother crazy topic because people look at the Constitution like it's the Bible. Well, I mean, it's the thought you know, of, yeah, I mean, well, there's some, and there's some parallel. No, 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 it no, no it's, not. Not, it's not the Bible, but the parallels of how you interpret it. I think some people look at it in the same way. Like, is it a, basically a word for word, meaning how it was written, how it's supposed to be forever? Or is it something that can be changed and the interpretation can continue to evolve over time, right? Exactly. That's what you're saying with the originist point of view. Absolutely. And so this idea that they're going to, uh, you know, one, I think one of the issues is, uh, is right. We still living in COVID. We are, and so and a pan, and because people are people, hmm. and American people are sometimes the worst people <laughs> in some areas, in some places. I said, I said sometimes, <laughs> right? Because we're talking about following rules, and this yes. country is is born and bred on uh, rebellion. Well, yeah, and, in, in independent it, thinking, right? That's the right that's the word so, like if so you go any, to so just, go ahead i don't say if you go to like japan like they're they don't when i lived there it wasn't you could see like individual individual being an individual was not the promoted idea it was like group thinking <laughs> let's do everything together to you know a progress and to prosper that's kind of their mentality where i think the u.s is more like individual gain is me kinda, me me yes. me for good and for bad, right? Because it's like civil rights for me is important, just like civil rights for you is important. Nice but. try. <laughs> civil rights for us. Right. But it, it affects us differently. But that's not the topic at hand. You, right, right. We were talking, we were right, talking right. about the, the religious Court. liberty. Yes. Go ahead. Continue. You were talking about religious liberty. And um, so again, right. So New York uh, had put a ban, restricted gatherings in these hot zones and um the churches there's a i think a catholic church and a jewish synagogue um had sued because they said it was discriminatory against them um mm. and i think part of that does make sense right it's like well you know why you didn't put the same restriction on the liquor store mm-hmm. why would you put that restriction on the church you saying we can only have 10 people but you didn't Limit the liquor store to 10 people. And I think the the logical argument, right? The thing where people started to say, let's make sense of this. People don't go to the liquor store, sing songs, hold hands, hug, and do all that stuff. People go to mm-hmm. the liquor store, they get their thing, and then they leave. Um, but people not at the liquor store for hours. Um, <laughs> and people out, you might see people outside the liquor store for hours. That's also true. Yes. That, that is absolutely a true statement. However, I've never seen someone actually in the liquor store for hours. And so uh, the funny thing is the thing that they was fighting against the most, hmm. New York had our, New York had already did away with it. So they're not even doing it no more. Yeah. But I think at the time they had raised it. Right. I mean, it was a, uh, they had one of the, across the uh, the board with this uh, limitation and i always think the thing that i always think about is interesting is the how the church has been affected by by covid right because even in our state there's a lot of shutdowns but there wasn't actually restrictions on, on the church they allowed the church to they recommended that they didn't but it wasn't mandatory and i know our church actually we just shut back down right given the <laughs> recent spikes and but i think the point though is to allow the the church to decide if they uh are you know want to to shut down and actually help i think the other thing as churches we have to be smart about is how we're opening up are we having the proper protocol to support um this pandemic during this time for our for the people who are attending in person 
and sometimes I don't think all these churches are. And, you know, there's been a lot of debate, I think, within not necessarily the Adventist church, but just in churches, um, whether or not we should wear masks and hugging. And there's a lot of stuff that's different than, per se, you know, what happens in uh, a store, like a liquor store or whatever stores. But what you know there has to be a certain management of, of the church and how we handle it and i think the interesting part for me is the ruling toward uh the the church in this case because i think as as adventists sometimes we're watching very closely how the supreme court is managing and handling religious liberty i think this is I wonder if this is setting a presence of the court leaning toward the church and kind of eroding the separation of church and state. And, yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people were um, thinking with uh, Coney Barrett, who's who's very um, who was considered in, in some cases. I know that there were some evaluations about her religious views and how she may not may have brought those views into the church. Uh, I mean, into the court. And so. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm <seeing> exactly. <laughs> I saw that comment. <laughs> if you pray long, hard enough, it will won't be in the church. No Asian, <laughs> <Not Right>. both. <laughs> but there is power of prayer. We're not there. Absolutely, there. And but, I know people have been healed, but there's also common sense that God has also given us, where there's stuff that we can do on in addition to prayer to help keep us safe. Absolutely. Because if you're an idiot, then, you know, I, I'm not exact. I think God can can work with idiots. But I think when you are, are defiant in such a way, uh, you know. Right. There was there was pandemics in the Bible like leprosy. Right. Of course, Jesus, people are leprosy. And, but and of good course, people, and good people got it. Right. And on the flip side, they also made people stay in leper camps. Camps. If you got leprosy, you was out. You was not in the main city. You had to say leper before you unclean. You had to say that before you even came to the street. So, yes, it's uh, this ain't this ain't nothing new. Yeah, it's a different man. different flavor, and it's interesting how the how the church has been uh, managing it. And then, yeah, so so you know how uh, do you, I guess the you know do you do you all think that um, this is the beginning of um, you know a lot of people um, think that you know a lot of Adventists thought is related to the Supreme Court, it's it's church leanings, um, and then moving towards this Sunday um, blue law uh, mm-hmm. type of type of situation. Um, my, I, I'm not sure if I quite subscribe to that only because we've always had these Sunday laws in effect, right? Or as long as I've been living. Um, mm. And so the, you know, I think it's I think it's going to shock people and it's going to look a lot different than what it actually is when it actually happens. Um, yeah. I'm, but speak. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I think I do agree that it may it's going to probably look different than maybe what we've been having. But I think the difference as far as the Sunday laws that are, you know, the Sunday laws referring to the uh, enforcement of certain businesses and certain things being closed I think you're right. Those have been on the books, but the enforcement of it hasn't uh, really transpired as harshly as I think most people are thinking as it will in the in the future. But it's um there was a, a comment here that was I wanted to to share, and it's about something we've been talking about all since our show started is how the church looks during COVID. Um, the the work as is being said is outside of the building, and. I, th- I think as long as we continue to keep that in mind, using online streaming services like this and using podcasts and using all the different types of media that we have available, I think, you know, the message will continue to, to be right. shared if without people, the church having to be yeah. open. And, you know, uh, that's definitely been part of um, my criticism, if I, I were to say, um, for for years, is that we spend too much time focusing on a building um, and there is important work that is done in that building, um, but we haven't always taken ownership of of the experience of us being the church. Um, and Correct. how many? I don't know how many souls you can save sitting in the building all day. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, you got to go out and get them, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like I thought it said, "Go ye." Uh, it didn't say sit here. 
it said go ye and so um you know uh, hopefully we can get to that but you know let us know what what your thoughts is on on the supreme court um you know are you are you thinking that this is this is it here's here's the uh even though the bible already says that we already been on this road so um right uh, right but do you are you thinking that um now it's going to speed up and we'll see more of it uh, manifest. Uh, but we we still got COVID out here. Yes. And you can't pray it away. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. I, I think we've been trying. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely been trying to uh, to, to get it to, to leave. And uh, Michigan is now at 370,000. Um, mm. Man, and, and it's still going up. You know, I work at a hospital. There's hospitals on the news that have been reporting. Our hospitals at capacity, uh, neighboring hospitals are at capacity, um, and we're adding more beds, but we don't have enough staff. And there's a lot of other people experiencing the same thing. You got nurses out here. Shout out to our first responders and our frontline workers. Um, mm -hmm. Nurses out here doing six shifts at 12 hours a day mm. in, in some cases. Um, and I saw an article that said over the next three weeks, we may lose another 60,000 people. Wow. Um, because when the hospital is at capacity, and so this is one of the problems I was at work working through yesterday, trying to figure out how to make more room. Um, when the hospital is at capacity, um, you can't get anybody else in there. And if you can't get any more people in, then people can't be treated. And mm. so, um, it's it's it has a ripple effect and so it, it's just it's it's crazy um we've we've definitely we're still losing people and so don't don't uh, hopefully people don't um take their own kind of safety and comfort for granted um we are still losing people uh, we had two people die last week in our hospital uh we got one person that they were saying would pass over the weekend and so uh you know it's 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 real out here yes um, yes it is so don't please please be safe and uh take care of yourselves wear your mask people <laughs> yes you don't want to take this uh take this for granted take it lightly and with with those numbers but what's the recovery rate have you got the updated recovery rate the recovery rate um is I just had it. Um, last I checked, the recovery rate was around six million. Mm. Um, so we're up to about ten million cases in the United States, and recovery. Um, yep, six million, uh, six point four million recovered. Um, and oh, we're, I'm sorry, we're at thirteen million. Yeah, in the, in the in the United yeah. States, and so we're at, we're almost neck and neck. So six point four recovered, six point four. Um, active cases and fatalities is about 270,000. Mm. Yeah. And here in Michigan, uh, yeah, like you said, it's been so many <laughs> cases. It's, it's been crazy, but yeah. where does that leave us from a, a whole point of view? And I think some of the topics that, that we talked about, I think our guests would be perfect to share Absolutely. his opinion and, and his thoughts on. So let's bring him on, uh, on the podcast Hello, good sir. Welcome to the Sabbath Morning Show, Dr. Bigger. Good Hello. morning. You've got a great uh, discussion, almost a debate. <laughs> well, we want to welcome you to the to the, uh, so you can shed some light on this too. Um, so, good morning. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I, 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 it's early out here on the West Coast, so I haven't eaten breakfast. I'm waiting to go for a little walk out in the country. So oh, wow. before we have breakfast this morning. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, some of the things you've been talking about are, are uh, very close to the heart of a struggle that we as Christians face in lots of aspects of life. And, and that struggle is, to what degree should we try to solve the problems we face and to what degree should we sit back and let God work out his plan as he wishes to do that? Mm. So Asia raises that question, right? Yeah. 
So if we prayed, would COVID stay out of the churches? Isn't prayer enough? Why don't we just let God take care of these things? Right, Why right. should I have to vote? God knows who the kings and the presidents need to be. Let God take care of it. Hmm. Why should I join the military? Let God take care of the struggles in the world. Why should I go to the protests about um, marginalized groups being neglected or abused? Let God take care of those things. That's one extreme, isn't it? Yeah. And on the other extreme are those who say, hey, God created this world, and then he backed up and smiles to see what we're going to do with it. And God expects us to take care of this place now. Absolutely. That's an awesome introduction. Hey, you should take over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for those of you at home who aren't familiar with Dr. Bigger, he, uh, we want to introduce you, you guys to him. We've uh, had the pleasure of having a couple of conversations with him, and we've heard great things about him. And we want to allow him to introduce himself. So the, the title we, we entitled the show was the, the Navy Chaplain, the Naval Admiral. So our understanding is that you serve. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. Um, the, the, the short version of that story is that for 30 years, almost 30 years, 29 and 10 months, something like that, for almost 30 years, I was a Navy Reserve chaplain and served uh, in uniform part of the time and uh, continued my work as a civilian pastor and then professor here at Walla Walla college now university the place so nice they named it twice (laughs) (laughs) i I went i remember going i was traveling one time and and went to um the counter to to get tickets and check in luggage and the person at the counter uh asked where i was from so i said walla walla and she literally burst out laughing She's like, you're not from there. That's right. Is this the real place? What kind of fantasy world are you in? (laughs) That's funny. So I did that. um, I was a career reservist. Okay. And um, did that for a number of decades. It it got much more busy after uh, things erupted in the Middle East. Hmm. Uh, in the nineties. Before that, it was pretty much the old style that your fathers and grandfathers remembered that reservists spent about two days a month and a couple of weeks each year. And that was it. But, uh, but after things blew up in the middle East, it got much busier. In the last six years I was in, I was uh, in uniform half of the time. Wow. So, so tell us about uh, those uh, years when I got busy. What, what exactly? Could, some people may not know what does a chaplain do in, in the military and what does it look like? So tell us about those busy times. Yeah. Um, the, the privilege that chaplains have uh, is that they serve with the unit that the military people are part of. So much of that time, for example, I was with a, a Marine unit. Uh, in a city nearby, and uh, because of my Sabbath uh, work responsibilities, instead of going on Saturday and Sunday, I went on Sunday and Monday Hmm. and uh, was there to train with them, to be ready to deploy with them, to provide um, counseling and religious services for them, just to be part of that unit so that we would be available in case there was need. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I'm thinking about my time in the military. I don't remember e- either our chaplains just weren't as cool as you are <laughs> or, <laughs> or they just weren't around um, because and I, it might be both. Um, because the only time I remember seeing a chaplain was uh, when they would pray during our ceremonies. Um, and then after that, uh, they were pretty incognito. Uh, um, some of that has to do with what the unit is like. Um, 
the branches of the service are different from one another as well. Uh, so, for example, my uh, Air, Air Force colleagues uh, often have uh, a ministry that is based at a chapel. Mm -hmm. So you would see the chaplain if you went to the chapel or if you were involved in some kinds of activities at the chapel during the week. Um, more uh, infantry-oriented uh, army or Marine Corps, for example, would have chaplains who were embedded in those units and usually um, at a battalion level they would have a chaplain, which means if you had companies or squads that were separated from one another, you might not see a chaplain very often. I remember, for example, one exercise in Korea where for a couple of weeks, I was assigned to a tank company of Marine oh. Corps tanks. And um, I rode with them wherever they went. But if those if those uh, tanks got separated from one another, cluster of them in one place, another cluster somewhere else, uh, it sometimes got complicated trying to stay in touch with all of them wherever they were. So in, in the field, when you're deployed, chaplains will, also, uh, will often provide some very brief services on the weekend um, for military <laughs> members. And they may just be there for a few minutes during the week because they're rotating from one site to another. Mm, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, so during your 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 time as a as the naval chaplain, what are some of the I guess more interesting uh, things you've done? You know, I think it's uh, a couple of what was it uh, maybe three weeks ago we had a uh, Oakwood chaplain from Oakwood University on the show. And so I, want, I think it would be good to understand some of those differences. Of course, one of the clear differences is that uh, university chaplains aren't going into the field, the battlefield, to uh, minister <laughs> to people. But what were some of the other activities that uh, you, you were doing or some of the main maybe highlights uh, that uh, you would like to talk about today? Well, the, the particular assignments of chaplains is, um, is to be a liaison, a connection between the command and uh, the military service members. So, uh, for example, a, a soldier or an airman or a Marine or a sailor may be he hesitant to share what kind of stresses they're facing in life, worried about family back home or having challenges with uh, colleagues in the unit in which they're working. They may be hesitant to talk about that to their supervisors and commanders but the chaplain is a safer person to visit with because chaplains are able to maintain confidence that is to say they don't they don't report what yeah. challenges are in that service member's life so it provides a, a an outlet for service members to deal with issues that they're not ready uh to tackle officially in of <laughs> command um and that must have uh you're so you're also uh, uh a social worker right and uh, so what did and so at what point did you um was that all a part of your transition out of military or had you always been a social worker and then mm. through that became a chaplain mm. as well? Or how did, how did those two mm -hmm. things intertwine? You know, I'm smiling now when you say that I've worn a lot of labels at where I've been assigned. Um, I started out um, being part of an evangelistic team, having public meetings sharing the gospel with other people. Uh, then I was a pastor for 25 years. Mm. Uh, then I began teaching at the university. Uh, and part of that teaching responsibility was, uh, was teaching in the social work department classes that my doctoral work is in marriage and it's in pastoral counseling. And that 
qualified me for a license as a marriage and family therapist. Mm. So in the social work department, when I went to the university, I started teaching a class called Social Work and Religion. How can social workers interface with people uh, of different faiths? And what are the kind of uh, values and moral standards that people have? How do we cope with those? That's what that course was about. I also taught uh, counseling classes, how to deal with individuals and couples and families. Um, so I had a joint appointment in both social work and religion for a while. And as, as part of my preparation to understand social workers, I did a master of social work degree. So you're right, pastor, <laughs> evangelist, social worker, professor, military chaplain. So, but internally during all of that time, um, mm -hmm. who I was never changed. I, my internal identity is as a pastor. And sometimes I have pastored in a classroom and sometimes I've pastored as an administrator. And sometimes I've pastored as a chaplain, but I'm I'm just a pastor. <laughs> Which is but. interesting because I can think of um, times in my own social work career where I was trying to figure out how to like deliver a message or speak to someone's heart without being, you know, because a lot of times, I, I don't know, you know this, like as social workers, we can't, we can't like, we can't evangelize to people, mm -hmm. right? And so, mm -hmm. um, and so, but there were times where I would figure out how to deliver, I guess, um, a message to someone. And and after a while, I, I felt like I was like, oh man, this is is this what Jesus felt like, like delivering parables? So I was I wouldn't quite outright say like, you know, God is here for you, and there's no reason for you to fear. I would just figure yeah. out some way to kind of. Um, to, to kind of slide it in there um, because, you know, it's, it's interesting um, those barriers that we have to, to want to share that gospel yeah. um, while helping someone. Um, yeah. So I guess my question, yeah, go ahead. Don't you think that uh, Jesus was a master at getting people to ask questions? Yes. Mm. So he didn't impose himself on everybody, but he enticed them, kind of uh, raised their curiosity. Mm -hmm. And when they would ask a question, what could he do but answer it? Yeah. <laughs> Workers and chaplains, everybody else can do the same thing. We can respect people. We don't need to um, try to corral them or force them to agree with us, but we can trigger their curiosity enough that they ask the right questions. Hmm. So you like have an example of that. You remember the, the young man who came to Jesus and said, good master, what must I do to be saved? And instead of just answering the question, Jesus said, oh, why do you call me good? The only good person is God. Hmm. But since you asked, and then he went on to answer the question. But I think that young man went home saying to himself, why did he make that connection with him and God? What's that all about? Right, right. So yeah, for, I, us as, for us as believers, as witnesses, that is the skill that uh, I wish we, uh, I wish we could hone more effectively. Absolutely. And I think that, like you said, um, as we were talking earlier, it gets to the how, we can't do that if all we do is worship in a church. Hmm. Um, and I think and our, our Christian experience should be, um, you know, it, I'm pretty sure Jesus wouldn't disagree with the thought that maybe we should all be chaplains in some way. Uh -huh. We are all, in fact, we are all called by God to be those witnesses. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and your your concept of spreading yourself out, touching the people that you see in regular life uh, is very much the intention of the illustration of being the salt of the earth. We all had a little salt on the table this last week. 
Yeah. <laughs> we didn't put it all in one spot to eat it spoonful by spoonful. We scattered it out there. Mm. Yeah. That's very true. I like that. So tell us about uh, some of your witnessing experiences uh, in the military. What is What does that look like? Well, I think the, the most dramatic one for me was on 9-11. Mm. Um, I was in Washington, D.C. that day at uh, the office of the chief of chaplains for the Navy. Mm. <clears throat> so you just happened to be in town at that time. I, I had been there all summer long. Oh. Um, but what I what I did as a chaplain during those last several years, I was responsible for all the religious programs in the Navy and Marine Corps and Coast Guard Reserve. So uh, I was overseeing the chaplains and chaplain assistants and um, and the religion programs. Um, and uh, during every vacation and many times during the week, I would be gone for days or weeks or a few months at a time. So that summer I had been gone uh, during the summer and at that particular time happened to be in Washington, D.C. Supposed to fly home uh, to start teaching classes on September 12th. Mm, wow. Well, you, you can imagine that didn't happen. I didn't get right. home. No, home not at all. That. Yeah. Wow. And so wow. what were... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so that, that morning, we heard the airplane fly over our building and a loud thud when it's slammed into the Pentagon just across the freeway from us. Um, and the fire alarms in our building then went off. We all evacuated out into the parking lot and saw the fires coming from the Pentagon. Um, and one of the civilians who worked in our building spotted the group of us chaplains because we were all supposed to cluster and account for one another uh, in groups by by office. Um, so she came rushing over to the group of us chaplains yelling, is this the end of the world? Is this the end of the world? Mm. And I thought to myself that morning that if this is it, then this is the kind of place I, I would like to be. In the middle of helping people who are caught up in this uh, mm. chaotic turmoil. Wow. Bringing the message of hope and God to people who are uh, in desperate circumstances. Yeah. So what did you say to her? Um. I don't remember. <laughs> well, you got to go on the, on the edge of my seat. Like, oh, man. This <laughs> we, we in the Chaplain Corps talk about a ministry of presence. Mm. And I think uh, usually it's not so much what we say as who we are mm. that carries a message to people around us. Huh? That's true. So her being with us as a group uh, was of comfort to her. I spent the next several hours then, they asked for volunteers to help down at the Pentagon and hundreds of us rushed that, that direction. I spent the the next block of time um, being with and praying with people who were being carried out of the Pentagon with horrible burn, uh, with horrible burns, mm. uh, waiting for helicopters to fly them to medical help. And uh, you, 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 what, what do you say to people who are in agony? Right. I, I don't think it's so much what you say is that there's somebody there who cares for them. Mm. Uh, and we did pray with a lot of them. 
and just being together at times of crisis is a help. That's one of the that's one of the major challenges of COVID now. Right. That it isolates us from one another, and it takes away that sense of um, shared burdens and concerns. So for us to find ways to connect with each other, what a great example your podcast is of that. Staying in touch with each other uh, is important to us. God created us in communities, not in isolation. Uh, the, the wonderful way in which <clears throat> Moses describes the creation of human beings, uh, having Adam created early in the day and then spending hours seeing all the rest of the uh, animals in, the, in this new earth related to one another. They had companions for themselves so that he recognized his need to be in community. Uh, that's important for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So, oh, go ahead, Fernando. You have a question? Go ahead. No, I was, I'm, I'm deep in it. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. I don't know whether any of you did what, uh, I know many people do this, and we tried it out uh, Thanksgiving morning. Our extended family, my siblings, our, our parents are gone now. Uh, my siblings, their children, so cousins, aunts, and uncles all together. We got on a, um, an online phone call, mm -hmm. set up the computer, and visited with each other for an hour. Wasn't the same as all being in the same house. Right. But it was a whole lot better than, than imagining yourself just completely separated from people you care about. Yeah, uh, we did something similar. We had uh, we used uh, Zoom and uh, my with my family, and we were able to to do that. Like I said, it wasn't the same, but uh, it still allowed communication despite being uh, physically separated. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, and we did we we didn't do that, um, but a, a couple of days before, um, my wife had a virtual family reunion, um, and they had people from all over the world, I believe, kind of on a Zoom call. Uh -huh. um, and they thought it was only going to last, I think, like two hours. <laughs> and, and yeah, you, you just can't have that kind of connection with people and, and it just be a thing. And so, um, you know, one of the questions that, that, that I'm thinking about um, is, you know, how, as you bring it in to perspective, right, us dealing with COVID, how, you know, what are some of the things that um, that you've done um, to help connect people, um, right? Because if it, it's, it really is about how do we connect with people and how do we not lose that connection? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people are experiencing depression um, mm -hmm. because of this and, and, you know, the mental anguish that they experienced prior to this is only deepening to a certain extent. Um, and so... How how do you how are you connecting with people or recommending that they be connected? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, we're finding out that there there are some benefits of our geographical isolation from each other. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm currently the dean of the School of Social Work here. We have three campuses. We have one here in Walla Walla, and. Mm -hmm of them in Montana, one in Billings, one in Missoula, different parts of the state of Montana. In the past, all of our department meetings have originated in College Place, and people in, in, in College Place, which is the bedroom community to Walla Walla, all of the people on campus, our main campus, would sit around a conference table, and we had a camera that showed the conference table to the to our faculty and staff in Montana, and they would all jam themselves close together so that they could all be seen on one camera on a screen in our uh, in our conference room. They always felt like they were on the fringe of things. 
now that we have to have meetings with all of us the same size of square on the screen in front of us as everybody else, there's a sense of equality among us that didn't exist before, a, a, a kind of connection that we missed in the past. Hmm. Um, in classes, uh, faculty are, are describing something similar, that those who live remotely from campus have the same kind of connection as those who live down the street from the classroom. Uh, and huh. I, th I think that can be helpful to us. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, we had a, a comment here, which I think was related to what, what was just mentioned, but Amber here is uh, pointing out the importance of being reconciled with God finally uh, after, after, after we finally, you know, this is all over in this world, in this life, we'll finally be fully reconciled with God where there's no longer separation, a COVID-like separation that's right. been happening for <laughs> millennia, right? Yeah, very good idea. Hmm. And so what what a I guess uh, what type of um, parallels have you drawn um, from this experience um, and how do you you know what are you how are you relaying that to your class classes your students um, in, in such a way that um, I guess reflect what we're dealing with hmm. um. A challenge for us as human beings is not to be, is on the one hand to be part of what's happening in the moment, not to distance ourselves from the reality of this world, but on the other hand, not to be overwhelmed by what's happening at the moment either. Mm. Now, how can we find this balance of being immersed in reality and yet not overpowered by reality? to maintain a focus on uh, God's promises for a better future without distancing ourselves for doing, from doing what we can in the present. If we had lots of time, that's really at the heart of where you started with the political process. It's at the heart of where we are with um, social equality movements in, in our nation and around the world right now. It's at the heart of Christians who struggle with whether or not to join the military. How can I be part of an institution that exists to blow things up and kill people? How can I do that? Um, it's trying to find that balance between how actively involved we're going to be and uh, how much we can maintain under the present circumstances our focus, our hopeful focus on God's promises for the future. Part of, uh, part of what I, I think challenges us at times like this in COVID, as it challenged us at 9-11, is um, to deal with the chaos of the moment and still hope for something better. Um, for me, that was symbolized wonderfully well in... Um, in memorial services after 9-11, where people in the shadow of the ruins in New York City and Washington, D.C., reminded themselves of God's promises. And uh, at a memorial service in at the Pentagon, um, Barry Black, who was then the Navy chief of chaplains, now is the chaplain of the United States Senate, quoted a text out of Romans about the imminence of God, the presence of God in our most difficult moments. So for us as believers to hang on to that becomes an important way for us to cope in the present moment as well. Does yeah. that up to try this little? Uh, yeah, we can have this might be a concluding comment as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> All right, let me go ahead and pull it up. This, we talk this, about hope and what to hope for. I heard the president on an, uh, in an interview yesterday say that he's an optimistic person. What 
gives us optimism at times like this. So, well, as a person of faith, I come to promises I find from God and Scripture. The fact that the, the misery and disaster and pain and loss we experience in this world is temporary, not permanent. Hope is a promise from God for something better, for something that lasts, that doesn't crumble into dust like we've seen in front of us this week. The Christian scripture, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities, powers nor things present nor things to come, heights nor depths, or any creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The words of my Lord. Yeah, so that's a, that's a tough tough to follow but definitely still relevant as you said even though that was you know specific for the the 9-11 tragedy but it's still very very uh true for what we're experiencing today you bet so at moments of discouragement to remind ourselves that god has not abandoned us nothing can separate us from god we we hold on to that at our discouraging moments and look toward the future. Amen. Amen to that. Well, like you said, we are nearing the end of our, 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 our time. I know you have so many more sh stories to share and we would definitely love for you to come back and uh, tell us more about uh, your experiences. I know we only touched the tip of the iceberg with such a, a, a amazing career, as you mentioned, having served uh, nearly 30 years. And uh, also being a professor since then, I think uh, you have a lot more that we would love to hear about. Absolutely. Privilege being with you. Yes, and for where can uh, where can the, our viewers at home and online, where can they find you if they wanna hear more of what uh, Dr. Bigger has to say? <laughs> um. The, the, there was the Navy made a, a half an hour video about the 9-11 process uh, and how chaplains served in that aftermath. So that's on YouTube. There are also, if they, uh, if they Googled my name, I think, on YouTube, they could find uh, some recordings of Barbara, my wife and I, talking about the murder of our daughter a number of years ago and how we coped with that, what we learned about God and about ourselves as a result of those experiences. Wow, yeah. And, you know, I think that's definitely one of the things we want to bring you back on to, to, to talk about that, because uh, you also wrote a, a book about that experience too, right? It is true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we will for sure have you back on, on the show. Uh, and I hope you want to come back. <laughs> yeah, thank, you. thank you. Well, we, we have told ourselves after what we've been through that anytime anyone asks us to tell the stories about how good God has been to us, uh, that we, were, we are willing to do that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a blessing. And I think that is what we need is to to hear about God has been good to us despite what we're we're, yep. we're currently seeing. So mm -hmm. we we will have you back on the show to talk more about that. But uh, I think uh, at the moment we're, we're going to end it. We're going to pull the plug here. We appreciate you coming out, and we appreciate you, uh, the, the viewers at home for coming to listen and to experience uh, not just this week's current events, but the reflection and how we not only see ourselves, but how we see God and how we should see God during these experiences. Yeah, and we want to encourage everybody to keep sharing your experiences, 
Um, and just don't forget about fellowship, right? Even though we're, we're it's not the same as it used to be, um, we need to find ways to connect with people and experience them um, and tell people how good God has been despite the circumstances. Yeah. So on that note, oh, uh, don't fear the bad news. <laughs> Keep your heart and mind focused. Yeah. And always trust in the Lord. Yeah. Amen. And with that, it has been uh, Chuck and Zig, and this has been The Morning Show. Have a good day.